Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you today. Thank you, Nathaniel, for that beautiful testimony. I feel like we've already had church and we could just go home right now. That was beautiful. Um, but I did prepare a few things to share with you this morning. Um, at the North Texas Food Bank, where I worked as a fundraiser, we had a program where we partnered with Dawson, which was a women's prison, and we would hire them as volunteers to work in our kitchen. In our kitchen, we prepared meals for people um, at shut-ins, at Food for Kids programs, different areas where we would have prepared hot meals. Um, and so these ladies uh, would volunteer to be part of our program. They were all nonviolent offenders, so um, we weren't at risk having them work there with us. Um, they were ladies who had written bad checks or had problems with drugs, um, and they were chosen by the facility for this program. One lady told me, she said, it is a privilege to work here at the food bank. She said, while I'm locked up, someone is taking care of and feeding my child. And it feels so good to work here and help take care of someone else's child to help feed another child. She was in a situation that none of us would want to be in, and yet she felt grateful. She had this beautiful spirit of gratitude. And today I want to talk about gratitude. I know it's not that time of year, we have almost four months left before we have to go around the table and name something we're thankful for. But this is something I think we should talk about more because the Bible has a lot more to say on this topic. In fact, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do you feel like sometimes it is really hard to show gratitude or even to feel grateful? I think this is a struggle for many of us and perhaps gratitude is difficult because it's an acknowledgement that we needed something. If I say thank you to someone for helping me, will they think I wasn't capable of doing that thing myself? Or if I acknowledge how much something is helping, will the helper think less of me? We live in such a pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of world, and we're so focused on the value of doing things ourselves that we forget the value of a grateful heart and expressing that gratitude to others. By the way, I think it's okay for others to know that you are not Superman or Wonder Woman. It's called vulnerability. I love what the author Brene Brown says about this. She says, vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. There is a story about gratitude in Luke chapter 17. If you would turn there in your Bibles with me, uh, if you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 971. And let's start at verse 11, Luke 17, 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, 
Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Like most stories in the Bible, this one is very brief but has a lot packed inside of it. First, the men asking for healing have several things in common. They were all affected with the skin disease of leprosy. They were all outcast and had been living on the outskirts of society. We also know that all 10 lepers had faith and all 10 were healed when they obeyed Jesus' instruction to go show themselves to the priest. But only one was made well. The commentaries say that the wording used for made well is the same as to be saved. It's the same wording that was used to say that salvation had come to Zacchaeus. So only one of the healed men returned to say thank you for this incredible miracle performed on his behalf. And because of this act of gratitude, he was saved. This story clearly demonstrates the importance of gratitude. Faith and thanksgiving are inseparable. Which begs the question, is gratitude as important as faith? We talk about faith all the time, at least once a week up front and through our Bible study classes, but we usually reserve just one week a year to talk about gratitude. And in the story of the 10 lepers, Jesus is telling us that gratitude is really, really important. It's not enough to feel in your heart that you're grateful. You must act on it. And we could assume that the other nine leprous men were grateful for their healing as well. They just didn't take the time to come back. But Jesus asked the question, where are the others? Were not 10 men healed? He obviously expected them to return as well, giving thanks for the incredible gift he had given them. I found this passage by Ellen White that was published in My Life Today. She says, the lesson which is recorded concerning the ten lepers should awaken in every heart an earnest desire to change the existing order of ingratitude into one of praise and thanksgiving. Let the professed people of God stop murmuring and complaining. Let us remember who is the first great giver of all our blessings. Reggie Joyner, who's an author and also co-founder of the Orange Program that we use here in our kids' ministries, he writes a blog called Parent Q. And he wrote one called The Opposite of Gratitude. And he says this, he says, I'm not sure how to make anyone feel grateful. My parents told me that I should be grateful a number of times, but telling me to be grateful didn't make me feel grateful. Honestly, there were times that I felt guilty because I didn't feel gratitude. I actually thought something was wrong with me. Why didn't I feel grateful when I should? Then at some point, I grew up and made a simple discovery. The emotion of feeling grateful doesn't happen naturally. It is the result of the deliberate choice of demonstrating gratitude. In other words, you don't show gratitude because you feel grateful. You feel grateful because you show gratitude. 
We are asked by God to show our gratitude. Show it by giving. Giving thanks, giving to others, giving back to God. Get creative with your gratitude. Sing your praises to God to thank him for a good day. Write a check to the church or to one of your favorite causes to say thank you for an answered prayer. Share your time with someone in need as a way to give a token back to God for all he's given you. We are incapable of giving more than God has already given to us. So just keep giving. To quote Ellen White again, she said in an article in Signs of the Times in 1902, so this was a little while ago, God desires us to give cheerfully, willingly, gladly. None can keep his law without ministering to others. Happiness is the gift of God to him who, in the spirit of Christ, toils for the good of others. Mrs. White is echoing what the Bible says, that gratitude is important, and if we count ourselves as a believer, we must demonstrate this through giving. Have any of you ever seen the show on Netflix called Untold Stories of the ER? I'm not seeing any hands raised, and I don't know why, because this show is incredible. <laughs> it's a little bit addicting. Um, some of the stories are bizarre, like one guy gets a cockroach crawled into his ear while he was sleeping and they have to extract it. Um, others are just kind of funny and weird. One lady showed up and she was very snooty. She kept dropping names. Um, she knew the president of the hospital and she was telling this new doctor how important she was. And she said, I'm just not feeling well. That was her main complaint. I'm just not feeling well. So she demanded all kinds of tests. They did MRI, they did CAT scan, could not figure out what it was. And they were doing more tests than they would do on like the average person who walks in because she had all these connections. Finally, the doctor decides, I'm just gonna do a urine test. Finds out this lady had mistakenly eaten pot-laced brownies and she was just high on the drug. So, um, just interesting stories, and I'm not a medical person, so I don't know why I love watching this so much, but it's great. So the other night, I watched two of them back to back, and the story started out very similarly. Um, the first one was a girl who came in with a bad infection, and it progressed rapidly so that her lungs started to shut down. So they put her on two ventilators, which again, I don't know much about medicine, so I'm sorry if I get some of these details wrong, but they put two ventilators, one into each lung, which they said is very rarely done. Then to oxygenate her blood, they actually did a procedure called ECMO, is that right, Darla? ECMO, and they take the blood out of the body, they oxygenate it, they put it back in. I mean, it was just this incredible life-saving procedure. Um, the second one was a girl who comes in and she is not feeling well. The main thing the doctor notices or the unusual thing is that the vein in her neck is bulging and she codes right there in front of him. Her heart stops and he starts doing CPR. He does CPR for 30 minutes before they do, I think it was an EKG, um, find out that she has a clot. So, I mean, she is completely unresponsive. They're doing CPR. They give her the medicine, keep doing CPR for another two hours, 
until she finally, the claw is busted or whatever happens, and her body starts to respond again and her heart starts to beat. The, the similarity between these two stories is that both young women uh, were completely out. They would have been dead were it not for life-saving interventions, um, completely unconscious during everything that's being done to them. So um, the second girl, the one um, that had the clot, they cut to her at the end. And that's the other thing that's kind of fun about this show is they always make it, but you don't know that, right? So you're watching and you see the medical team interviewed and you see family members and you're right there with them. You're like, are they gonna make it? And then at the very end in this beautiful moment, they show the actual patient and they're there talking to you. So this girl who had the clot, they cut to her, she looks in the camera and she said, since that time I went to college, I graduated with my master's. I met the love of my life and married him. Every moment of my life since that accident has been possible because of the doctor and the medical team who took a chance on me and saved my life. Beautiful. The other girl, the one who had the infection uh, with all the ventilators and everything, um, they cut to her at the end and we're going, yay, she lived, they saved her, it's amazing. And she looks at the camera and she said, I proved to the medical team that day that I'm a fighter. And I thought, really? I think what you proved is that had it not been for them, you would not be here today. See, gratitude is, uh, I guess it can be difficult. I think one of the reasons it's hard is because in order to express that we are grateful, we have to acknowledge our dependence. And you're never truly thankful for something you could have done yourself, right? But that's why gratitude is so beautiful. It allows us to recognize our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses. And we are promised that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. I've wondered if this is one of the reasons that Jesus told us it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. If he doesn't see his need, he doesn't recognize all that he's been given, and because of this, does not have gratitude for all he has. It's also pointed out in the story of the ten lepers that the only one who returned was the Samaritan. Now, Samaritans were considered to be religious heretics and social outcasts. However, the disease of leprosy rendered Jewish-Gentile distinctions unimportant. In this situation, they were all outcast. And when the ten asked for healing, Jesus received all ten of them and granted their request. As was his usual style, Jesus did not favor the Jews or count any one of them as more important than the others. One commentary says this, The story anticipates what is yet to come in Acts a growing blindness in Israel, a receptivity among Gentiles. Why was this the case? Israel's special place in God's plan for the world had turned in upon itself. Duty had become privilege, and frequent favors had settled into blinding familiarity. Although the Jews had been forgiven much, just like everyone else, they seemed to feel that they had earned God's favor and had no sense of gratitude for the things they had received. Another commentary says, possibly the other nine felt that, as sons of Abraham, they deserved to be healed. 
But this Samaritan, who may have considered that he did not deserve the blessing of health that had come to him suddenly and unexpectedly, appreciated the gift heaven now bestowed upon him. Those who forget to thank God for blessings received and truly to appreciate what God does for them are in grave danger of forgetting altogether. John Mark Comer, a pastor at Bridgetown Church in Portland, Oregon, talks about prayer in his book, God Has a Name. He says one common type of prayer is based on what we've done, and it goes like this. God, I'm a good person. I go to church, I volunteer, I even give money. So would you fill in the blank? He goes on to say that when we do this, we're back to the math formula. The implicit idea here is that God owes you. This game rarely works with God. The only thing that can effectively keep you from God's mercy is thinking you deserve it. This is one of the many reasons that religious people are often the farthest from God. This is the place where we see the 10 lepers. The Jewish lepers felt that they had God's favor and must have felt that they deserved the healing they received from Jesus that day. They didn't recognize that they were in the same spot as the Samaritan and needed the healing just as badly. I find it interesting that one out of the 10 returned. 10% of the men returned to thank Jesus. We are asked to return 10% of our income to God. But I think this passage is telling us that 10% is just a small token of everything we've been given. Everything is God's. Everything comes from him and nothing is truly ours. If you are giving 10% of your income back to God in tithe, that's wonderful. But we must be careful that we don't become like the Jews who felt that they were entitled to everything they had. That we don't try to bargain with God and say, I gave my 10%, now where's my blessing? In Matthew 23, 23, God talks about this. And I like the message version of that, so that's the one that we'll read from on the screen. It states it like this. You're hopeless. You religion, scholars, and Pharisees, frauds. You keep meticulous account books, tithing on every nickel and dime you get. But on the meat of God's law, things like fairness and compassion and commitment, the absolute basics, you carelessly take it or leave it. Careful bookkeeping is commendable, but the basics are required. Do you have any idea how silly you look writing a life story that's wrong from start to finish, nitpicking over commas and semicolons? I imagine the amount the Pharisees were giving back to God was a carefully calculated 10%, being sure they didn't give any more or any less. Rather than giving a loving gift back to God, recognizing all that they had been given. Now, sometimes it is hard to be grateful, and I'll give you one example. Most of the time at home, I shop for our household stuff. Um, soap and shampoo, all that good stuff. And I try to get scents that work for the whole family, you know, that aren't too flowery or girly. And I love to bargain hunt. I like to buy in bulk. I like to get a good bargain, get the most bang for our buck. So the other day, Aliyah was going into the grocery store and I realized we were completely out of body wash. 
So you know how sometimes we say things without saying exactly what we want, but I just said, hey, could you pick up some body wash? Meaning, could you get the same thing that we always get, the kind I like? <laughs> Ladies, my husband came home from the store with a giant red bottle of Old Spice Swagger. <laughs> Not, not what I was asking for. I did not feel grateful for this thing he had brought home that would make me smell like a man for the next 10 years. <laughs> and so I told him, hey, thanks for running the errand, but I couldn't help myself. I said, was there any reason in particular that you got one specially formulated for men? To which he sweetly replied, I know it's not the kind we usually get, but I thought you'd love it. It was on a great sale. <laughs> I couldn't argue with that. I was genuinely proud of him. So some of you are sitting here thinking, everything I have, I've earned. Why should I be grateful when I've worked for everything? I've dieted like crazy to be this thin, or I've spent 60-hour weeks at the office for the past 40 years to secure my retirement. And you wouldn't dare say it out loud, but you might also be feeling that you've been part of the church all your life. You've tithed. You've volunteered. You deserve everything that God has in store for you. To that, I would ask, really? Are you responsible for your good health and good genes? Do you have that job solely based on your experience and qualifications? Did you work hard to be born in this great country? You may be a dedicated Christian, but none of us has done enough to earn the incredible gift of salvation that's been given to us. When Aliyah was offered the job here at the Boulder Church, we were living in Texas at the time. My sister Danny was living out in California, and she was working as a manager at a surf shop there. And she and I had been talking and dreaming about opening our own store together. So when I heard Boulder, Colorado, I was thinking Estes Park, Colorado. When we were teenagers, Danny and I worked at Glacier View Ranch, and our family even lived up there for a while. Our mom was director of housekeeping for a couple years. And so on our days off, we would go into Estes Park, and we loved hiking, eating, and shopping there. So the wheels started turning, and we started dreaming about a mountain boutique in beautiful Estes. We poured everything we had into it, as all business owners do. We gave our time, our energy, our ideas, and of course, money. When we began, we expected the first year to be hard. You always hear that, the first year in business is the hardest. But we had no idea how hard it would be. See, we had opened our doors in May 2013, and in September of that first year, Estes Park was hit with the flood. For those of you who weren't living here at the time, I'll give you a few details. And for those of you who were, I may give you a little PTSD, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, the flood destroyed 1,500 homes and 200 businesses. Three dams in Larimer County failed, 
and both Highway 34 and Highway 36, the main routes in and out of town, were severely damaged. Uh, those first few weeks to get down to church, it took us three hours uh, to go out and around out on 7 just to get from Estes Park to Boulder. Our store is located on the second story. So thankfully, we didn't lose any of our merchandise, uh, which wasn't much, but we didn't lose our merchandise like the businesses around us. We were thankful for that, uh, but we had not planned to survive for months without any shoppers. Residents were having a difficult time getting up and down the mountain, so tourists were certainly not coming into town to shop. We applied for every type of grant and assistance available, but every application was turned down because we hadn't been in business a full year or because there was no loss of inventory. So we spent a lot of time praying. We had invested everything we could scrape together just to get the shop started, and here we were looking at possibly having to close in less than a year just to cover our expenses. It was incredible during that time to see how God answered our prayers. We wrote a letter to our landlord asking for grace on the amount of time it would take to pay our rent, and he responded by offering us three months free rent. We were still building our inventory, and we didn't have much to offer, but friends and family shopped our tiny little online store. There was one student up there who was studying at Ravencrest, which is a small Christian school, and he decided he loved our store, and he would come in regularly. At the time, our average sale was about $50, and he would come in and spend three, four times that each time he visited. Danny and I have kept up with him on Facebook since he graduated and moved away. Um, but we still aren't 100% sure that he's not an angel who might just happen to have a Facebook account. And then we saw an outpouring of support from our incredible church family. One couple, and I don't even know now how they made it up to our town, they came in and did all of their Christmas shopping at our store which is incredible too in Danny and I think back on it because we didn't have much in there. <laughs> it was just a huge boost. And I cannot see them at church without thinking about how they helped save our little shop that first year in business. In Luke chapter 7, uh, which is page 958 in your pew Bibles, Jesus is talking about Mary Magdalene when he says, Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. I really think this applies to gratitude as well. We could say she who has been in terrible need and has been rescued will be incredibly grateful. But she who has needed a little is only a little bit grateful. If Danny and I had been successful from the outset, if we had become an overnight success, I don't think that we would have seen God's hand in our business the way we do now. Because we were walking on the razor's edge of insolvency, we can't boast about our growth, 
but rather we recognize in each success how far God has brought us and how powerfully he has guided our business. As a fundraiser for 12 years, I found a strong correlation between giving and gratitude. I did encounter people who wanted recognition for absolutely everything they did. You'll always find them. But there were others who, in the midst of sometimes heartache over the loss of a loved one, they would establish a scholarship in that person's name to help other students. I worked with the daughter of a billionaire in Texas, and she brought her daughter regularly to volunteer packing food boxes because she wanted to teach her the importance of sharing with others. That same woman heard that um, one of our schools where we did the Food for Kids program, it was filled with refugees. And many of them were coming to school with either no shoes or shoes that were two or three sizes too big or too small for them. And when she heard that, she went directly to Target, filled a shopping cart with shoes for those children, and delivered it with no, she wasn't asking for any recognition or thanks. And I deeply admire her because she had so much, and yet she was living this life of gratitude and giving. Many people have said that the key to happiness is gratitude. But I think it's bigger than that. I think one of the major keys to our faith is gratitude. A grateful heart recognizes that we are nothing without our creator. A grateful heart does not take personal credit for the good things they receive. A grateful heart acknowledges the source of every good and perfect gift. In summary, gratitude is an expression of dependence. And a grateful heart is as important to being a follower of Jesus as faith. And lastly, gratitude must be expressed. I want to challenge you this week to practice gratitude. Just like our light should not be hid under a bushel basket, so our gratitude should not be kept quiet. When you're tempted to complain about something that's going badly, choose to express gratitude instead. Take a minute to reach out to someone who has helped you this week. I know this means you must acknowledge that you needed that help, but you can do it. Or, if that's too much, maybe just try saying thank you for that thing you don't love, that bottle of men's body wash. Gratitude equates giving. So I want to challenge you to give. Give thanks when life is going badly. Give offerings from a grateful heart. Give praise to God for all that you've been given. Would you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, you are the giver of every good thing. And we just thank you for that this morning. God, we ask that you will help us to live lives of gratitude so that we will be shining lights in this dark world, reflecting your goodness. We love you and we thank you. Amen.